Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Harpree Ron's Impact 32 podcast, here to share how our ministry and partners are bringing the Great Commission to Iran and beyond. Coming up, we have Edwin, managing producer of Mohabbat TV, along with Robert, pastor of Iranian Christian Fellowship in London, where they will be discussing bringing community and connection to isolated believers in Iran. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining Heart for Iran's Impact 32 podcast. Heart for Iran is a ministry partnership that has over 100 plus partners. And today we'll be speaking about bringing community and connection to the isolated isolated believers inside the country of Iran. As you know, Iran is a Muslim country and Christians are in minorities and evangelical Christians, especially MBBs inside the country, uh, have serious challenges when it gets to connecting to the church. And it is mostly because of the hard restrictions placed by the government, making it illegal for Muslim converts to join a church. Today, I'm excited to introduce you our guest who will be helping us get a better insight into Iranian church. Robert Assyrian is a pastor um, from Iranian Christian Fellowship in London. He has an MA and BA in psychology, BA in theology, and he is a lecturer and the head of spiritual formation of students in Pars Theological Center. He is also the editor-in-chief of Shagert, Shagert website. Shagert means uh, disciple. Thank you, Reverend Robert. Uh, welcome to Impact 32 Podcast. Thank you very much, Brother. All right, uh, we're going to dive into asking these questions. And I know you've been working with Iranian Christians inside the country. And I believe you are one of those um, pastors who have still, even though you are in, outside of the country, but you are still have a, a close connection with the Church of Iran. And the first question that I have for you, uh, Reverend Robert, is we are familiar with the term church planting in the West. And we've been using these terms all along. Anytime a, a pastor wants to start a new church. But how does that look like when it comes to the Middle East? And, and you know, in the Middle East, we have these uh, uh, terrible persecution for the Christians. How do we uh, plant a church when the fact that church planting is illegal? Yes. Uh, so I think uh, we need to use other words to uh, talking about the reality of the church, for example, inside Iran. I'm coming from Iran, and so I can talk about my experience regarding Church of Iran. Uh, so because of uh, harsh persecution against the church, so first of all, the way of evangelism is personal evangelism. Uh, when someone uh, try to make connection with people and sharing good news with them, uh, usually it is through the personal evangelism or sharing good news with the family or a family members that all of them coming to Christ because of security reason, you have no other choice. And so gradually when different individuals came to Christ during a lifespan, they come together and form a church. I prefer to talk about formation of the church, not planting of the church. You have different individuals which are living in different places, and then gradually the pastor evangelists bring them together and started a fellowship between them. So it is the formation of a fellowship, formation of a church, which usually that church are very small size, maybe five or six people, uh, maximum 10 people. So I prefer to use uh, church formation. It, it's formed in a very organic way, in a very natural way. And because it is something which is invisible, you're not planting something which is visible. 
you're just forming a church which already people are there. People are came to Christ by different ways and methods. Sometimes uh, a family come to Christ and that family house became the center or place that the people come together and starting their fellowship. So uh, I think church formation is better word because of it shows its nature, which uh, in a, uh, I can say in the process, which is a process that people from different backgrounds coming together and then they shape, they form a church. I prefer to use church formation and always it is invisible. It's entity is a church, but because it is invisible church. So church formation, I think is better, but I prefer that. This is a very interesting uh, uh, distinction that you made here. So Christians, people, Muslims inside a country comes to, they come to faith through in, uh, different means, whether it's uh, individual evangelism or or a media or you know maybe a a, a supernatural dream or uh, uh, encounter of some sort, and then the person who is bringing together is is this pastor, he's this spiritual leader who connects them all together in a different forms. If it is a, in an underground house church or a family gathering, it does not have the formal church uh, uh, feature as we know in the West but it has all biblical elements of a church. They get together and worship. This is very interesting, very, very uh, good insight of how church uh, uh, forms inside the country. Uh, are you seeing a need for discipleship curriculum in the underground church, this church that gets formed and localized in a place? Of course, because of uh, the very specific situation of believers inside the Iran or Middle East countries, of course, that discipleship curriculum must be very different and very contextualized. Uh, first of all, the reality of persecution. Uh, the believers must be ready for every kind of persecution. I mean, the aspects of Christian life and spirituality, which every believer, sooner or later, we face it. We, we need to equip believers for that experiences. I mean, cross, uh, I mean, rejection. I mean, preparation for giving your everything for your life, the cost of discipleship, I can say. These are the priorities that before everything, every disciple of Christ must know very well. Of course, the doctrines, the salvation, what's going on there, of course, it's very important. But first of all, every disciple need to calculate what is the cost of discipleship. Because sooner or later, maybe he can be in a situation that he can lose everything, he can lose his freedom. And because of that, I think that from the beginning, of course, you are sharing with them good news. Of course, you are talking about all the blessings, which is in the Christian life and salvation. But immediately, you need to talk about cross. Immediately, you need to talk about the cost of following Christ. And without that explanations, I think the believers very soon, can see themselves in a situation that they are not prepared for that. So I think, yes, first of all, the meaning of cross, persecution, and uh, what the person can experience, not uh, from the government, but sometimes his friends, family can harass him, can reject him. Rejection. Rejection is kind of experience that every believer can experience it. And sometimes that kind of rejection uh, is more harmful than going to prison because you lost your relationships, you lost your friends. So I think all of these aspects are very necessary. 
of course, you need to talk to them about prayer, about holy life, about Christian doctrines. But very soon, that practical aspects of to be Christian in a Muslim context, in a hostile context, these are the issues that from the beginning you must have in your mind and talk about it about your disciples. Um, there are a couple of key words I think I, I, I saw in, in, in your explanation. One is contextualization. To the, the second one is the cost of discipleship, cost of following Christ. And it is very important, especially for the, for the next question. I want the, uh, the viewers uh, uh, giving us a, a little news about what uh, Hartford Iran uh, has been involved with in the last couple, uh, last year mostly, with the partnership of many other uh, pastors and theologians, especially uh, Reverend Robert Assyrian, and that is developing a curriculum, a discipleship curriculum that has those two features built in. One, it is contextualized, and the second pays attention and focuses especially on the cost of discipleship. It doesn't mean that the discipleship curriculum available from the Western world does not have uh, have uh, contextualization. It does, but it is most, mostly contextualized for the Western audience. Now we need the we need the content that is paying more attention uh, not only to the main uh, doctrines that is in the Bible, which you mentioned as like Christ, salvation, and and, and all that, but also brings in focus things that is much more relevant for Iranians inside the country. Uh, like cost of discipleship. We do not talk much about cost of discipleship in the West. When, whenever we talk about cost of discipleship, we do not talk about rejection or we do not talk about imprisonment. But when it comes to the Christians inside the country, those are the first immediate experiences that they may have. They either get imprisoned if the government finds out about their newfound faith or they get rejected by their family. And those are uh, uh, impacting uh, experiences uh, that can alter someone's life. And so how did this new contextualized, uh, contextualized this, uh, discipleship curriculum that we uh, uh, titled it Alphabet of Christianity come about? What is the purpose behind it? In addition to the aspects that we talked about, persecution, cost of discipleship and this kind of things, uh, also, the approach of the book is in a way that when someone from Iranian and Islamic background coming to Christ, usually because of their Islamic background, they have specific kind of questions, specific kind of problems. And the book tried to address, uh, first of all, the issues which most of all are important for people from Muslim background, like Trinity, love, divinity of Christ. Uh, like Bible, because in Islamic context, they claimed that Bible uh, is not the, the Bible that Christians now have is not authentic Bible. And so the questions are kind of questions which for every Iranian and someone from Muslim background, these kind of questions are very important. So the, the approach is first addressing this kind of issue and then uh, arguing about this issue in a way which is more convincing for a Muslim in a very single language, and also using cultural concepts and, uh, I can say, uh, different way of expressions, which is familiar for an Iranian. And when someone heard or read about this kind of communicating about Christianity, feel itself in home and understand what's going on. So there are some also cultural sensitivities. There are some 
issues that for Iranians is very relevant and important, but for the Westerner is something which is not at all important. So all of these sensitivities, cultural issues, and the way that the Muslim look at Christianity, uh, all of these are considered in this uh, book. And uh, in addition, all of these try to give uh, a general view about the Christian that in first glance, you understand what is the essence of Christianity. What is that kerygma? In theology, we say kerygma. The main message of the Christianity and the New Testament. So kerygma is there, but after that also, the practical aspects of Christian life, discipleship, uh, how you communicate with others, the meaning of church, family, because for a Muslim also, family sometimes have another meaning, but in Christianity, we look at family in a different way. So all of these also practical aspects of Christian life in this book are considered, and uh, the approach is in a way that for an Iranian, this book be a book that after reading it, it can come to conclusion that am I ready to accept Christianity or not? It's, it's a very interesting conversation, and I like our Western uh, audience uh, pay a little bit more attention to this, because this is not something that we really need to discuss when it comes to contextualization in the West. We have our own churches with our own culture, the work that we are comfortable in, and we do not have to engage with this kind of stuff. But when you're engaging with a an, with an, uh, Muslim convert and an MBB, all sorts of questions comes, uh, uh, you know, uh, for, uh, in forefront, and you have to engage with it. You should be able to um, should be able to uh, answer it. Uh, let me just give you one give one more example, and it is a very interesting one for me. Those Iranians who uh, are born after the revolution because of the principles and and the values of the revolution. One of the things that they have uh, embraced is is to to look at the Israel Israel country, the Jews. As a, as, a, as a nation that they need to get always into enmity with. They are the enemy of the state, they're enemy of the Islam, they're enemy of the Iranian people. And I remember back in the days when I was watching the cartoons and animation uh, from state TV, uh, there were some uh, cartoons that basically portraying Jews as, as a Muslim-hating uh, country that are all, all the time, uh, you know, uh, killing them and, and getting their freedom from. And we grew up with that mentality. And when this Muslim who comes to faith and becomes a Christian, all of a sudden sees himself in a world of, of, of a biblical land that is Israel. He's following a Christ that is a Jew. He's, he's learning teachings from, from uh, apostles who were Jews. And we constantly are going back to that country, to that land, to that values and all the history. And, and, and now I want you to understand how hard it may be for a Muslim convert to constantly battle with those structures that he's been taught in the past. And he has to break all those structures and, and, and rebuild a new principle, rebuild a new values and a worldview for you to understand how, uh, what the Bible teaches and how to engage with it. This is very interesting. And, and can you explain how, uh, how this is, uh, uh, the first church experience for a new believer? Uh, a new a Muslim convert comes to the church. How does he understand the biblical values and the truth? And how does he engage with the church? It is very important that you, be, you must be careful to introduce what kind of values and basic principles of faith to the believers. 
I mean, uh, when you are concentrating on Christ, Christ's personality, love, which I think are basic truths of the Bible, it is very important. Sometimes you need to be very uh, careful about some sensitivities which you mentioned. For example, the Jewish background of Christianity. I think it is not necessary that from the beginning you touch these issues. You first need to uh, help people to understand the divinity of Christ, the love of God, the salvation in Christ, the church. And I think that our approach is very important here. Uh, you know, among the evangelicals, there is a big uh, wide spectrum about their view about, for example, modern day Israel. And uh, for a, as an evangelical, maybe you have a dispensationalist view or Israeli Israel uh, field view, or maybe you are in other parts of the spectrum. I think it is quite unnecessary to touch these kind of issues. You just need to help people to understand the main doctrines of the Bible and help them to have a personal deep relationship with Christ. When someone has that personal deep relationship with Christ and deep spiritual experience and understand the basic truths of the Bible, then in the long term, of course, theologically, he can choose his viewpoint about the Israel, about dispensationalism. I think it's the second, I think it's not very important issue. I mean, and, and, and what you mentioned also about the Israel, as you know, in the Quran, Moses is a big prophet. In the Quran, there is a little part about the Jews. And I think that just talking about the Jews is not very sensitive. But when you're talking about modern day Israel, when some evangelicals are talking about praying with them, of course, it's a respectful opinion. But uh, you are not obligated to defend a kind of eschatological or theological viewpoint which can endanger the life of a Christian in such country. I think it's an issue that in the long term, every Christian can talk about that. But you as a Christian uh, need to concentrate on a basic and vital truth of the Bible and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Other things, I think uh, it is better you not touch the sensitive issues as much as possible. As, as as you're explaining this, I, I see how complex writing such a discipleship curriculum that is contextualized and is sensitive to uh, to the questions of an Iranian inside the country can be. Let me ask you the last uh, question, Reverend uh, Robert, and that is, um, how do you keep how do you keep the security as a priority when connecting uh, believers to underground church communities? Uh, you know, you need to give them some instructions about the Christian life. You must be very careful not endanger their life uh, and train the leaders who can have their fruitful and effective ministry in the country and at the same time have a kind of protocols which help them protect themselves to not be a problem with the government. I mean, uh, from the beginning, it is very important to teach people how to relate with each other, how to relate with their pastor, how they have their normal church life. I mean, the small group house church uh, daily life, but at the same time, they be silent, they be cautious. Uh, for example, when someone evangelized someone and that person came to come to, come to Christ, uh, it's important that for six months, at least six months, that person not coming to the house church. And separately, the pastor worked with him. And after six months, when the pastor come to conclusion that 
the faith of this person is genius and authentic, then after that, you can invite that person to the fellowship, to the house church of fellowship. So I mean that in every step, you must check every security issue because otherwise, very soon, the house church life will be finished. So knowing people, not uh, giving the believers much information that who is who. You know, the, every person know about himself and know the people who are in the fellowship. But imagine you can take one person to another house church and then another house church. The, the, this is very dangerous in the house church context of Iran. And every person is just member of a small group and he he does not know what's going on other in other house churches. So I mean that uh, for every believer, uh, the less information make them more secure. And you need to train them in a way that person just thinking about his personal life and his fellowship with this small house church. But when they come to a more wider network of relationships, it is really dangerous. And all of these issues and similar issues are very important. You need to uh, think about them very carefully. Praying for the day that the uh, Christianity is, is accepted and respected like any other religion inside the country of Iran and, and people will come to Christ without any restrictions or persecution. Thank you very much, Reverend Robert Assyrian, for this uh, amazing insight that you brought us about the, uh, uh, the, the nature of the church inside the country and how to connect with them, how to plant a church or form a church and, and help them grow in Christ. I appreciate that. Thank you, brother. And thank you so much uh, for joining us today for Impact 32 podcast. If you feel led to partner with us, please check our website, heartforiran.com. And uh, you can stay connected and updated about what God is doing inside the country of Iran. And thank you again for connecting and joining us today. God bless you.